Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Last Professionals and for Last Professionals. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Today, we have a special friend on. We have Allie Lilly from Lash Anarchist on our podcast, and it was so good. We're going to make this a two-parter. She's going to do two episodes, one this week and one next week. And it's because we just couldn't stop talking, guys. I mean, we have so many things we really want to cover, but we covered two main things in these two episodes. Today, what you're going to hear is talking about is salon ownership and how it's not for everyone. It's actually quite difficult. And I think every salon owner right now who's listening is like, yeah, this, is, this was not what I thought I was signing up for. But it's also extremely rewarding. So it just depends on who you are and what you're trying to accomplish. And I know when we did a review or a survey at LashCon last year, 50% of you said you want to own a salon one day. 50% of you came to the con, that is. So it's a passion, it's a desire that many of you listening are thinking about. So we just want to educate you a little bit more and share from Allie's perspective because she had a salon for a while. In fact, she's had two salons. And she's gone through the ups and downs of that, and she's going to share why and a little bit what happened and the struggles and what worked for her. And I think it's going to be really helpful for you guys. Now, the next time you see you next week, then we're going to go into how you built a following on Instagram because Allie has done it better. Really, almost no one has done it better than her. She's amazing. She's one of the most creative, I think, inspirational people on Instagram right now, what she's doing. Love her, and I love And she's going to share with you how she's doing it and some of the things she's gone with. And she also gives us some feedback on what we're doing wrong with ours. So it's kind of, it was uh, humbling, but we really wanted to hear from her, and it was really good. Okay, we have one announcement, and that's, and that's it, guys, today. We are giving away a $200 Amazon gift card. It used to be 100 and then we said, you know what? Let's not be so stingy. Let's give away more money. So the way, how can you get this $200 Amazon gift card? Well, you have to give us a review on iTunes, and it's for our podcast. So go to iTunes and review our podcast and screenshot your review. And then you have to email it to me at paul at lashcastpodcast.com because I can't find out who you are when you leave the review. It just has a name with no way to connect with you. So the way you get entered into the drawing to win this gift card is by sending me a screenshot of your review. So get on there. Leave us a review. It's really how you help us. I mean, we've been doing this for three years, and we really love you guys. We love supporting all of you and giving you information you need to grow your business. And the way you can give back to us is by giving us a review. And by the way, one of you... Then, as a thank you, we'll get a $200 gift card. I wish I'd give it out to everyone. That'd be even better. Maybe one day we'll do some big blowout crazy giveaway. Uh, but then, you know, we have to, you know, we have to make a little more money. <laughs> so that's all good. So that said, guys, thank you so much for all that love and that help. And this is a small way for us to say thank you back to you. All right, guys, that's our one announcement. Otherwise, I'm really excited to get into this next episode here where we sit down with Allie from Last Anarchist and talk about what it's like to be a salon owner. Hey guys, we are here in the Lash Cast Studios hanging out with one of our buddies, Allie from Lash Anarchist. Welcome to the show, Allie. Hi, thank you for having me. We are, as always, so excited to see you. And the last time we actually, well, I wasn't there, but the last time we hung out, we, well, Tuss hung it out with you, right? It was a year ago. It was, remember, a Galentine's party? It was actually the last party I went to. It was so much fun. 
It was like the last party before all the stuff started getting yeah. shut down. I know, exactly. Oftentimes I'll go back and look at that section in my pictures because everyone looks so beautiful. It was so fun and it was really good <laughs> memories. So It was the party that ended all parties for lash professionals, I think. <laughs> oh, that's so sad. It is. <laughs> there was a lash pinata, which was a lot of fun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> there was a bounce house. Oh, that's was, right. Bounce house, yeah. I mean, arts crafts it was just fun it was so much fun thank you yeah yeah well, this is my dream party one of the things we've gotten to know you over the last three years and we we first met you as as we were talking a little earlier um was through your mom actually your mom was on one of the first people we ever interviewed for our podcast and she, we just happened to see her at ibs we rented the booth and we thought we'll just go there and we'll interview people and your mom walked by and we had a pick we knew what she looked like and we went oh my gosh Jill and we used her glue and so and we we're like oh my glue, gosh yeah. we're totally fangirling yeah so oh. we brought her on and, and she basically at that point introduced us to you and basically said well my daughter started her own brand and it's called Last Anarchist and she showed it I think she even had Last Trays on her and we were like oh my gosh that's the coolest name and she's like yeah she's just getting going I'm sewing them myself and she's starting her own thing so and we were just starting so I felt like we both were kind of like growing up or just babies in the industry with this new venture like you were starting last anarchist we start, had started our podcast just a few months prior so we're kind of like in a similar i guess class of lashes i don't know what we would call it but, <laughs> class, yeah. but yeah so we're lash babies yes yeah we're, now we're twins yeah we're teenagers now and we're we're, we're causing a ruckus and pissing off a lot of people <laughs> but uh but that said um we got to know you right after i think we actually met you a little bit just for a second at the show and it was just really cool and and watching you grow and expand and conquer and our industry has been a fun journey because i felt like wow we kind of both got into it at the same time and it's been really a pleasure to watch you and we actually did record you the following year if you remember the, in 2019 or 2018 yeah I think it was yeah the mm-hmm. following year and anyhow all I remember is you sharing about how every time you try to record a podcast with someone like Shelby it, it just oh it didn't like work. how many times like three times, three times you tried to do this thing and it just never happened which is always I just think it's I funny know. And then that happened with us. We recorded that weekend, I think, nine episodes, and yours is the only one that didn't work. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. We, really yeah we but a, we did have you. We had you as a, a panel speaker at LashCon, yeah. and that was a blast. She's been with us last two years. Uh, well, first year on panel, and last year you were our, our party host um, when we did our TikTok party, which was really fun. So getting to know you over the years, it's been like kind of have an inside view of, you know, just shared experiences. and kind of be able to see your journey and we'd love to share some of that journey have you share it with with our audience no we're just going to talk about you and you listen to us talk about you i think that's okay. really fun <laughs> this podcast is easy yeah okay. yeah it's like i just show up and they tell me things though no. so one of the things i really want to talk about because we had you on a, a panel and we talked about this and that was salon ownership and mm-hmm. you're one of the few people i've heard talk about how this was not an exciting thing for you. Like there are so many, in fact, I did a poll at LashCon this last November. And one of the questions was how many people want to own a salon and well over 50% of the people are like I do, I want to have a salon. I want to have staff. Mm -hmm. I want to have a team. It's a natural progression. So, Mm -hmm. but I, I would love to have your side of the story a little bit more because I think it's going to help some of those people maybe 
think twice. Over, think twice, or at least make a more educated decision if they still want to do it. Because it, it really, I, I've always thought it's not for everyone. And there's mm-hmm. a place, the right, there's certain people that are really perfect for it, and there's others that we should never think about. It. So, first, I thought we'd get into this. Why did you open the salon? I mean, what was the motivation? It was, I just tell us that, I guess, the backstory of all that. Well, first of all, when you asked me to be on that panel for salon ownership, I remember emailing you and being like, Paul, like, are you sure that <laughs> this is the right panel for me? Because I have some things to say that yeah. are going to be not what people want to hear, maybe. But I think the motivation for me to start a salon was I have like this weird thing that I really don't like to work for anybody. So I was working, even just like sharing a space with my friends or whatever. But even that, I was like, I don't want this. I want things to be exactly the way that I want them to be. I want to decorate exactly how I want to decorate. I want things to be run a certain way. Also, when I was in school, that's really all we talked about. So it was like, you learn this, you learn the services. And then like our end project, I guess, like the finale project was creating a dream spa and what it was going Mm. to look like later and how you're going to run it and what the commission was going to be and the services and decoration and branding and everything. And I loved that project. Mm. So I was like, oh, this will be fun. I love taking on a big challenge and, you know, whatever. But also, I think a lot of us don't realize that there are other avenues you can go into. And at that point, I was really young. I was 25, maybe 26. For some people listening, they'll be like, wow, she was old. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wait till you know my age. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Well, I always think like, holy crap, I'm so young doing all this stuff. Like my mom started Lash Bomb when she was... 48 or 49. Yeah. Um, I think 48. Never too late to make big changes. Yeah. Yeah. So she was like, just basically in my shoes with my company, um, where I'm at right now, when she was 51, like that's badass. Yeah, it is. Oh my gosh. It's really cool. Yeah. So, um, already off on a tangent about age. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, yeah. So I think I, I just thought that that was the next step and that was the only way that I was going to make more money Yeah, because I could really see a ceiling with doing lashes by myself. Absolutely. There is a ceiling. There, there's, at some point, you're maxed out, right? You ma- can't take 80,000 clients a week. Right. And, and then there's this thought of like, oh, you know, make money while you're not there. Yeah. So I could go in the salon for yeah. six hours a day and everyone else is there for 12 hours a day and I'm making money when I'm not there. Right. And I think that that's that beautiful myth that we tell ourselves before we own a salon. Because <laughs> then you're the one that's there for 12 hours yep, a day. That's or right. Six. Yeah. And then you're like, fuck, I am now working for the same amount of money that I was making before, but I'm just working a lot longer. A lot more. Yeah. Right. And how long did it take for you for that light bulb to go on? It was kind of interesting. Me and my mom opened a salon together. And that lasted about a year before I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. It was really far from my house. And it was just, it was a lot of work. And like I said, at LashCon, I would just suggest trying to not work with your family members if you can avoid it. Yeah, we're done, by the way. All right, go ahead. Yeah. I don't know. For some reason, it's like working for married couples. Like me and Mike work together. Great. But like me and my mom, we don't work together. There's another layer of complexity and relationship that... It is just well, inherent. Mom is the boss all your life growing up. So all of a sudden now mm-hmm. you're equal partners. That's a weird dynamic to really try to explore, I think. For the child, right? Yeah. You know? 
for both of us too, because it was like, we were both the boss, but like both of our personalities are like, I'm the boss. So, (laughs) you know, so what ended up happening is I got pregnant and it was probably a really good timing, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to start a small salon down by where I live. Cause it was about a 30 minute drive to our salon. And I was like, I just want to make this simple and I want to be closer. Um, do my own thing. And she was totally cool with it. I think we both knew that it was just going to be better for her being a grandma and, you know, our relationship. So I moved, I started my own salon with a friend. So, so you had a partner, it wasn't just, or did she work for you? I had a partner. Okay. So you went from one partnership to another partnership, which again, yes. a lot of people will say partnerships are a pain in the ass because yeah, it, it's, it's hard handy. to have boundaries again. You, you, who decides what? Who's got the final say on things? Because obviously you have different opinions and different tastes. Yeah. So I talk about this a lot, like in my classes with students that want to start salons with their friends or start training programs with their friends. I'm like, just make sure that you guys are on the same page. I think choosing a partner is probably like one of the hardest things ever. I somehow keep lucking out with the people that I work with, but um, the girl that I started the salon with, her name's Jessica. We met in aesthetic school like way before that. And her and I have so opposite personalities that it worked out amazingly. Wow. Like she, she's a saver, but she's also a quiet little mouse who doesn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> so she was our finance gal. She also liked doing QuickBooks like enjoyed it it was fucking weird weirdo it was weird yeah so (laughs) it was perfect because she didn't want to deal with people and that's all I wanted to deal with and she was like I got the books if you got this stuff and we really had a good understanding I mean like in your case you found someone who was strong in areas where you're weak and and vice versa so you almost make make a, a complete person Yeah, you make one person, right? (laughs) Exactly. Well, and that's kind of how me and Vike are now and probably why we've fallen into this like natural um, work together situation because he's still my financial guy who doesn't want to put his face on the internet. He doesn't want to talk to people. He fills the orders and he keeps track of inventory and all of our finances. All the boring stuff, right? Yeah, he says he does the undesirables. (laughs) Because I know he doesn't want to be doing what I'm doing. And yeah. I don't want to be doing what he's doing. So it works out. It's perfect. That's actually really cool. But that's kind of where we're at. I mean, this is where I think it doesn't work when you find someone who wants to do exactly you. Like, let's say both mm-hmm. you and Vike want to be the face of, of Lash Anarchist. And you'd be like, dude. No, this is me. This is my thing. And I'm the, I'm the voice. I'm the, I'm the one. And we can't both be doing it. And he's secretly you know, resentful. That w- would cause tension in the relationship and be a difficult play. Same thing mm-hmm. if you, for some reason, really wanted to do all the finances. And he, you were always coming in when he was doing them. It would cause problems. And I think people have to see that when you are working with partnerships, you really do have to look for what is your skill set that you bring to the table. I think for us, mm-hmm. I, I've been in a partnership. I had a record company for a few years. And we had four people and one of our partners didn't like working. (laughs) It's like (laughs) that didn't work out very well. And so we had to let him go. And the same thing happened where you, if you don't, if you, really got to be careful. And I've heard this countless times where businesses, salons have ended because the partners can't find a way to work together where both are being feeling satisfied. And so I think it's really dangerous to partner. It can be really the end of your business before you even get started. So you really got to think about through. 
Well, and like one thing I'll point out about like me and Jessica in this great partnership is when I hear people, lash artists saying like, oh, me and my girlfriend, we want to start like a training program or whatever. You can tell that both of them want the same role. They both want to be the teacher. Like yeah. they both want to grow and do that thing and be the voice and the face. And that can sometimes work. Like I've seen a lot of really great partnerships out there that work that way. I have one company in my mind, but I can't think of their name right now. I think they're in Canada. Anyway, Last line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Thanks. Thank yep. you. Yeah, you bet. They're super cute. Yeah, they, they are. They're great together and they probably have really clear boundaries and understandings about what each of them does. Yeah. So me and Jessica, we weren't like hang out on the weekends besties. Yeah. Like we would go out to lunch together and like talk about our personal stuff or whatever, but we weren't like best friends, like doing mm. everything together. Cause I feel like that's where sometimes it can go really wrong as well. Yeah. No, I think so. I think having that boundary where like, okay, see you, see you tomorrow at work, you know, and you go home and then you have your life, your friends and all that. And then when you come to work, you guys can focus on work. Cause I do think when you get your personal life mixed in with each other, now personal struggles, which are going to happen, right? They're going to come, especially, Mm -hmm. and that could totally mess up the dynamic in your business. And now your business can become drama filled because now you're bringing your personal life into your professional life. And if you have employees, no one enjoys that. I mean, that was, I think the biggest concern people had when they joined us because some of them had worked in salons where they had a husband wife team they're like oh my gosh they were always fighting each other you know about money and this and that and so we were like we have to be united we have to Mm -hmm. be one voice in our salon we cannot be like tuss believes this paul believes that because that's going to confuse everyone or make people nervous or anxious because they feel like the leadership is not sure how to handle this or where they're going and so you have to be united in purpose totally with Jessica, I'm like, I don't want to say like me and her weren't friends, but Jessica yeah. is just a homebody. She's really not friends with anybody. So let's <laughs> just be like staying home and hanging out. That's all right. It's, it's all good. Yeah. I think finding someone like that's cool. Yeah, no, she was absolutely perfect for me. And so when I wanted to move here and I was like, I'm going to move to Arizona. I'm going to keep like my portion of the salon and, and whatever. We'll try to make it work. She was like, totally cool with it. She was like, do whatever, dude. Bye. And then (laughs) one of my employees ended up wanting to take my half of it, which for Jessica, that worked out great for her. And then eventually, I don't even know why I'm like going down this road. I'm like, eventually it's sold. And now like everyone's happy, but Jessica's like working from her house, like super happy. Oh really? She's like, perfect. She's like, I'm going to move home. Oh, so did she finally left or did did this salon still around, but with new ownership or did she finally just close and and just go home? They sold the building and that went along with their stuff with the salon. So they were like, you can either leave or you can like rent from this new person. And they were like, no, we're going to go off and do our own thing. So Jessica also had a baby. So she has like a full on like cute little salon in the basement of her house with like I don't know. It just worked out really And that's good a Utah her, so. thing, I think, right? I mean, it seems like everyone has a salon in their house in Utah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like I've met so many people like, oh, yeah, I have this cute little place. And it's like and it's almost always when I say, where do you live? Oh, I'm, I live in Utah. I'm like, OK, that's, that seems like a very normal. I'd like a salon in my house. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I'd like my bathroom to be a salon. Yeah. I think I think it's like it's just generally accepted there, like because there are so many. If you told a potential client like, oh, it's at my house. People are just like, oh, okay, cool. But like, if I were to say, hey, yeah, the address is this, it's my home, come in this door, and then, yeah. you know, 
come in the back come door. In, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's like, a potential uh, client in Scottsdale would be like, oh, fuck no. No yeah. way. I, yeah, I don't think it. Cali, that would work quite so well either. I think people are just like, eh, I think I'll go to a nice salon. Because it's, it's a little bit about the experience, too. It's not just about going and getting your lashes done. They want to go somewhere where they feel beautiful and it feels exotic. And I'm not I think, saying you know, that you can't have that at the home, but it's just a different ball of wax. Yeah, I think you, know? you, I think you can charge more, too, if you're not at home. If you have a salon, you're going to get to charge more because it's more upscale. I mean, totally. you, may, you may be a nice, I'm sure there's lots of nice salons at home, but it's just not the same experience going into a driveway. And walking through the gate right. into the back, it's just not the same as walking into a nice, you know, big uh, uh, mall or a nice uh, building, commercial, that's, building. A commercial building that's very upscale and everyone's wearing suits and it looks professional and you, the paparazzi are taking pictures of you and all that. So <laughs> I was going to say, it's not quite the same. I also think in Utah, there's like way more laxed laws about what you need to have. So yeah. compared to California, of course, people have salons in their yeah. house. Like California, you have to jump through like a thousand oh, hoops. So. I like to say California hates businesses. So they just try their best to make your life miserable and kill you if they can. It's it's part of the fun in Sacramento. California is really hurting my feelings right now because I really wanted to move there and yeah. be a California girl. And now I'm just never going to be able to move there. <laughs> yeah. Because you never, you never know when they're going to say for 10 months, you can't make money in our state that's yeah it's insane no, it's totally off of our list of places to ever live now. in fact people are moving out to you savannah just moved out to uh, from my skin addiction just moved out there or is moving out to arizona right now as we speak so uh yeah it, she just got like the keys to her apartment and she yeah. lives there part-time i actually have anna from designer Pro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. She moved also from New York, right? Here. Yeah. From New York. From New York. Yep. Mm-hmm. You guys are becoming like this magnet for people. So it's, it's pretty cool. Probably because Arizona is a cool place. Well, it's not cool. Literally, it's hot. You know what, Paul? <laughs> it's because weed is legal now. That's okay? right. Well, really it's legal crazy? here in California, too. So, it, no, yeah, we already got that. Nobody covered. can afford weed in California because <laughs> their jobs are gone. So. Is it less expensive out there? I'm sure everything is less expensive out there, I bet. No, but people have jobs here. Yeah. Okay, yeah that's right, right. You, you, you can make money and buy things. Like, what a, what a novel idea. Now, for you, what were some of the things that you struggled with when you had your salon and you were just like, these are the things that suck? Obviously, it sounds like, obviously, you had a friend or Jessica who would take care of some of that, but I'm sure there are still things that you woke up and dreaded doing every day. Yeah, so the things that I really hated, because I was fine, like, dealing with, customers like upset customers whatever whereas like my business partner was like I don't ever want to speak to a customer unless Mm -hmm. it's my own you know and so that was fine with me um if homeless people were coming in and like hanging out I got to be the one that was like hey you can leave you know yeah we had that restroom and then you gotta leave we had a homeless person that would come in and she would say I'm here for an appointment and then our front desk would didn't know what to do. So she would get coffee, get some food, and then she would leave. And I'd be like, okay, we need to change what we're doing here, guys. We can't, because literally the salon would stink after that. It would be so oh. bad. Oh, oh my gosh. It'd be, sucks. I would have to go at aerosol or, 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 you know, Lysol and spray it. And then she would come and use our bathroom key and just completely destroy the bathroom. She would miss the toilet completely. Yeah, she, and oh, Tusk yeah. would have to go clean around the toilet because for some reason, pooping in the toilet is a difficult task. Ask. <laughs> I don't understand. I don't You're just either. sitting there like, how, how did you, you miss? I don't understand either. So I'm like, I am not cleaning up another pile. 
So we, we really had to get clear on how we did things because if we kept doing it, I think she, you know she would just keep coming back more and more people would show up. So we we finally Absolutely. had a protocol put in place on if this happens, you call Paul and I came in and I say hi, how are you doing? And I had a nice little way to say it. I wanted to respect her because I don't homeless people aren't bad people; they're just in a bad place. And I want to be right. respectful. I want to be kind to her, but at the same time have a boundary because otherwise, our people would walk in there and go, "Who's been in here?" I mean, it's <laughs> like what happened. Ugh. Anyhow, so that's all side note. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well I mean there were times too with me like I remember one lady came in and it was I mean this was like winter in Utah it was literally zero degrees oh. and so I knew she was just coming in to warm up or whatever so we let her just like sit around for a while she did not smell bad or else she would have been out but yeah. yeah eventually she was like she was like we had some glittery eyeliner or something she put it all over her eyebrows like I remember it just being so weird and I was like oh my god okay and then I started putting the pieces together I was like she doesn't have a purse she doesn't seem to have a cell phone I was like oh my god this lady's homeless yeah. and so oh, I was no. just like, I was like hey do you have an appointment yeah so I let her sit around for a while but just figuring she was getting warm yeah so like that stuff didn't bother me but what I really actually I'll just go out and say it absolutely fucking hated micromanaging employees and commission split people. Yeah. I don't know if that's like a thing in, is that not a thing in California? California. No, commission is a debt in California because you have to pay a certain minimum wage and hourly for breaks and all this stuff. And it's, it's difficult to do commission, but there has been more recent changes. I think they were trying to go back because this whole thing prop 23 with a Uber and Lyft and they were allowing certain permissions, but that was really only specifically for them, not for all um, gig employees. So I don't, at this point, to be honest, I have not kept up to it because we haven't had employees for a year and a half, but yeah, it's a mess. Commission can be very messy and troublesome in California. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did have my girls on a commission, like a sliding scale. And with some of my girls, I don't want to call them employees because they weren't. Um, Some of my girls, they were super self-sufficient and it was easy and it was awesome. But then there were like a few that really wanted me to hold their hand and talk them through each thing. And if they ever had an issue with their customer or client, they would just immediately send it to me and be like, what do I do? Can you say something to them? And I'm like, what? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. It, it irritated me, especially because I was like, you're an independent contractor. You need to learn how to do this on your own because eventually you're going to leave me. And I know that I'm not living in pretend land. Like <laughs> you're going to have to learn how to do this for yourself if you want to make any more money or progress your career anymore. Mm-hmm. So I just didn't like managing people that need handholding. And mm-hmm. I also didn't really love the turnover of it Yeah, because I did know that people wanted to have their start, you know, build a clientele. And then eventually they would want to go on to something else, which I could never be upset about because that's exactly what I want. That's what everyone you know? does. Yeah. Right. So it was hard to not get hurt when somebody was like, dude, I need like an 80% commission or I'm going to rent a room. Yeah. And it's, well, <laughs> fuck man, rent a room. I yeah. If you can do that, go for it. I think the big thing too, I don't know mm-hmm. did, if this happened with you. I just talked to another friend yesterday who's a salon owner and she was sharing, like she just lamented, like for the most part, when people leave, they always have to leave nasty. It's very rare they have to that get people get mad at you. They don't, it's very rare that we leave amicably where we're all friends and it's like a big toast and a party. It's like, no, they always sabotage it somehow. They always make it very not fun and it's painful. 
I swear to God, it's because none of us know how to communicate with each other. Like <laughs> that should be taught in aesthetic school, like how to leave a job, how to communicate with yeah. your boss about things that are bothering you. It's because nobody wants to hurt each other's feelings. Like I remember one time a girl left and she told, this is when I was with my mom's salon. I'm all, if she's listening, just kidding. <laughs> A lot of people left this way. They'll be like, hey, I'm actually going to quit lashing or they just make up some fucking line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. New career. (laughs) Yeah. Or like, I would never do that. I can't believe that person left like that. And then they just don't show for their shift like three days later. Yeah. And then their clients are calling in like, where did she move to again? And you're like, what? And they're like, oh, yeah, she said she moved. I thought she quit the industry. Exactly. So you find out in these stupid ass ways and you're like, why didn't you just tell me you wanted to move? We had one person literally leave a note. We showed up ready to work and we looked at her chair and there's a note saying, I quit. What? What? No notice? We just you know, have to wake and literally, up. Literally, we check in with her before. Is everything okay? Like, because yeah. I know just a week before you know, we noticed something oh, was right. Oh, everything's fine. I like to keep a low profile. Yeah. I, I'm just doing my thing. Uh, well, and that's the thing too. Like, because I'm always like asking myself. Like, I always play devil's advocate with myself. I'm like, what are salon owners doing to make it so that their employees don't feel like they can communicate with absolutely. them? Absolutely. And I haven't like quite figured out exactly what it is, but I'm constantly like checking in with my employee. I'm like, if you don't like this or, you know, if things are not going a certain way, you can always tell me I'll never get mad at you, blah, blah, blah. It seems to have worked. But then I had another person, like I was saying, one of my really self-sufficient girls that worked for me. She came to me and was just like, hey, I did my taxes and I could have made $60,000 more if I was renting last year. And I was like, well, shit, man. Thanks for putting $60,000 into my business. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty funny. (laughs) I mean, I knew it was true. Yeah. But I was like, okay, well, at the same time know that you have to take on these other things. Like now you've got insurance you got to worry about. Your room rental, obviously you're buying your own equipment. You're buying all of your own product, blah, blah, blah. Marketing and everything. Yeah. And at that point she had such a full clientele and whatever. She was like, honestly, I don't want to leave. I just want to move into one of the rooms and rent. And I was like, cool. Like I totally understand and, and that was like probably the most amicable split. And then when she moved, I think she moved like down the road after I had left, but it was not a problem because she communicated it early and her and I have a really similar communication style, I guess. Like she was like, Hey dude, I just want to make that 60 K. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't blame you. Yeah. Let's just move Let's you into it. a room. Mm-hmm. You hit something that's really important for people to understand, and that is the communication factor. I think too many people, like you said, we're people pleasers. I think we did a Mm -hmm. personality test called a disc profile for all our staff when we hired them. And by far, the majority of people fall into the S category, which generally means you love working in community. You love working with people, but you also you don't really like to be on stage and being on the limelight. And you really like being supportive and helping others. And you don't like conflict. And that tends Mm -hmm. to be a very normal DNA for a beauty professional because I think we love like it attracts people who like to serve. And so mm-hmm. what happens, I think you hit it really a nail on the head when you say you should plan how to leave a salon. Like we'd start doing that when someone yeah. their last year or so of our salon, when someone joined us said, by the way, 
I'm going to tell you how you're going to leave our salon because I want to be friends with you when this is over. I don't want right. it to be weird where you hide from me at trade shows or if I see you at a lash <laughs> conference or whatever, or I see you on the street somewhere in Pasadena. I want to be able to see you and give you a hug, not be like, oh, there's, oh, she's hiding. I can see she's running away from me now. And, I, and, and so let's talk about this. So we literally said, you're going to give us a two-week notice. And by the way, we're not going to punish you. I will not fire you on the spot. I won't t- do all those things. But also, I, I lay out expectations. By the way, this, the clients belong to the salon. I know this is different. It all depends on what, how you set. If you're a commission or if you're a 1099, they belong to the staff. But when mm-hmm. you are a salon like us, a team base, they belong to the salon. But you know, I, I, we will let the clients obviously go where they want. We have no control over that. So if half right. the clients want to go with you, God bless you. We're not going to lie. I mean, I've seen salons do this where they lie. I don't know where she is, no or she quit the business, or whatever. They I they throw lie. Them under the bus. Yeah, throw know? them under the bus, and it's we weird. will not do that to you. If people ask where you are, we will give them your address, your phone number, and everything. So we want you to succeed, but at the same time, you understand as a business, my job is to grow my business and take care of my staff and and all that. So we would come to terms and lay it all out right when we were hiring them and we didn't do that in the early years and I think that caused a lot of the problems and I think it made the law feel like I can't really tell them what my plans are because I didn't mm-hmm. tell them what to expect they just figured I was right. going to be a vindictive mean ass boss who would punish them and I, I saw this happen where um, when people would come work for us I would say hey you know why don't you give a two weeks notice to your, your business and, and then we'll come over here and start training and they're like oh no I can't tell them because they'll fire me I'm like well, mm. I, I think you should. And then a couple of them actually tried and then they got fired. <laughs> They'd call me. Oh, you know, it's like it was painful. I felt bad for them because bosses do do that. So I, I get mm-hmm. why you may there's feel hesitation. like it's, there's a fear there. So you have to communicate that up front. I mean, they get fired because the salon owner is scared that their clients will follow yeah. them. But it's yeah. like if you realize that that's just kind of what's going to happen from the beginning, yeah. it's like whatever. But no, I think that you're totally right. Like as we were talking that out I was like I was thinking in my mind like it should be something that is communicated from the beginning yeah like I know you're gonna leave eventually yeah. and they're gonna be like no but you're gonna be like <laughs> yes no like and if you do want to like this is how this we is would how, like yeah. it to go down like this is what you can expect from us like this is what we expect from you but yeah I don't know the the whole yeah I feel like I could have done it better. And I definitely think that salon owners are doing things differently and better now and like learning from experience over time. But I also know like the lash industry is still so, so brand new. And so like, I always look to the hair industry to try and like see how it's going to look down the road. Yeah. It's just a little bit different than hair. Yeah. It's almost like a mix of hair and nails. (laughs) it's like we're the grandchild or the child of hair and nails gave birth to the lash industry exactly yeah that's funny i I think one of the things that we really people need to to think about that how they leave and have a game plan and be upfront about people if you're a salon owner Mm -hmm. and communicate your your vision and i think you will find a much better amicable way for people to part ways and by the way as a salon owner my main job was always take care of my team make sure that they were happy wasn't take care of the clients my main job was to build a business that where my team felt loved and cared for and make it difficult for them to want to quit you know what a great idea that well i love this place so much that 
I don't know if I really ever want to leave it. I, my boss has made it such a good, inviting, fun, helpful growth place where I grow. I have opportunities. I can try new things. I can train. I can teach or whatever. You know, you have things you can do in your slum versus just say be a lash minion, stay in your room and pump out lashes all day. That after a while gets a little tiring and not fulfilling. And the other thing too, yeah. as a slum owner, I realized second job was make it so good that my clients never wanted to leave. So even right. if someone left, I built the brand up so much that even when someone left, they were loyal to the salon. They were loyal to the brand before they were loyal to any team member. And when you mm-hmm. build a salon, that's not trying to be mean to the team members because my number one job is make their life great, but also for the protection of your salon so they can continue to grow and not see this up and down like, oh, we got like five people working. Now we have one and we have no clients. Oh, now we have 10 people working. Now we have one client. I mean, like it's this roller coaster of money up and down. And you're trying to create a more steady up, uphill um, growth. Is is that this make it so amazing that people don't want to leave, and that, that's what we did in our last few years when we had people leave. We only had one team member, and she had been with us for five years. So of course, most of those people left with her. I think we lost fifty percent of our clients with her. But most time when people left, we lost maybe ten percent of our clients. Which mm-hmm. you know, it was I think because they realized, wow, integrity lash is why I'm here. It's not because X Y Z team members. So that's two things. Right. If you're building a salon, that you really got to be thinking about keeping your eye on. Yeah, because we didn't know that when we first got started. We were just like mm-hmm. uh, you know any idea <laughs> creating an experience and why brand is so important and like what that means to people how it makes them feel yeah i was just thinking too like kind of going back to the communication thing i think when uh, like as salon owners to keep it so that there isn't open communication or pe- your employees don't feel comfortable communicating with you i think that's when it like creates this cancer too like when one person wants to leave then they start poking their friends and they're yep. like, don't you want to leave too? Yeah. Like, doesn't this place suck? And then suck? everyone's like talking about it in secret. Whereas like, if you had an open communication and you told them, like, I know that you're going to want to leave eventually or whatever, like, this is what I'd like it. I just think that there's not as much chance of them like asking somebody else if they also want to leave, you know? Yeah. Cause I, I feel like when I saw it happening, in the salon that I owned with my mom, we also had a lot more people working there. Like we always had like 10 lash artists at a time, but when one left right afterwards, two more would leave. And you're just like, what the fuck? And then they'd go start their own salon and then they'd realize they hated it. And they'd all go back to booth rent eventually. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a common theme that I've, I've, I've heard you say throughout this, this time that we've had together is that you have a very, clear understanding of people's motivations and are pretty okay with the fact that you know that they're going to want to either make more money, go off and do their own thing. One of the mistakes that we often made was that, oh no, people are going to want to stay here forever. You know, and that Mm -hmm. was something that I had to go through to realize, you know what, this is human nature and Mm -hmm. you can't slight somebody for for wanting more opportunities. In the beginning, we didn't provide those other opportunities. Or or create them yourselves, which is what we did later. But initially, the first eight, 10 years, there were no opportunities, just do lashes. One of the things that I hear (laughs) you saying is like, dude, I'd like that $60,000 in my pocket. You know, so you had this idea that, of course, I'm going to want to leave. I think it's a good mindset for an owner to realize that's just part of the game. Be okay with it. If you're not okay with that, if you take it personally, you're going to be so frustrated and crying a lot and getting mad every every couple of years or so. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, that was one of the things that me and my mom butted heads on a lot is, you know, like she wanted to make sure people had to stay or like needed to stay or she would just take it personally when people left 
And I was like, ah, like you're just fighting something that you can't win. Like this is, people are just going to want to leave. And if you have a salon this big, like I'm telling you like 10 to 12 people and they were all independent contractors at a time, it's like, you're going to have high turnover with a high volume type of salon like that. And then like when I went and made my own little guy, I had like four employees. Less stressful. (laughs) It was easy to manage. And I feel like everyone kind of did their own thing. And I don't know, it was just really easy to communicate with me. They know they didn't go to Jessica. They'd come to me and I would understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think I learned a lot from owning with my mom first and kind of setting up the salon with her vision, which I was like totally okay with. It was kind of my vision too. But then doing things just a kind of a different way and then having a salon on my own, trying it a different way, things were definitely better for me personally. But overall, I got, I just came to the conclusion that I really don't love all of the extra work of owning a salon. That wasn't the direction that I wanted to go in. And it was just a lot. You had done training too, right? You had developed a product with your mom. You had done training for your mom, built her whole training curriculum, I know. So you had that side already, that muscle already in you. And here you are in your own salon, building a salon again, not exercising, I'm guessing, any of those muscles, right? Not enjoying any of that type of stuff that you now do today. Yeah, that's true. I helped my mom rebrand Lash Bomb into Lash Bomb. Okay. And that was like one of the funnest things that I've ever done in my life is working with a graphic designer and coming up with the little bomb with the eyelashes. I literally had like this whole fucking presentation, took it to my mom. I was like, this is why you should rebrand. Let me tell you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I just like had to like convince her of it because no offense, mom and dad, it was girlfriend's beauty before. And (laughs) it kind of, Sounds like Lily lashes a little bit. (laughs) Girlfriend's beauty, really? Oh, wow. Wow. Girlfriend's beauty. And my dad is an artist. So he hand drew the GF or GB, maybe. Yeah. Um, Maybe it was GFB. I don't remember. But, and then he like drew these like or painted these little ladies on each side of them. And they were wearing big hats. And I was just like, Mom. This is outdated. Yeah. <laughs> like you can keep black and white, whatever. And then, or sorry, red and black. Like that was her thing. And I was like, you can keep that, but just update it yeah. so that it, you know, appeals to younger lash artists. Because right now, like, well, and back then, you guys have been going to the shows forever too, oh, right? Yeah. Forever. Since 2012, 2013, I think. Since we, 25, we, we, Yeah. Well, you, Tussie's been, been, been going longer than me. Longer but than yeah, we saw your, we remember when Lash Bomb was there. It was very distinct. It was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Well, but do you remember Girlfriend's Beauty? I do no, not. I do not. I do, I do not. not remember Girlfriend's Beauty. <laughs> exactly. So that was the thing. I was like, unfortunately, it's just not that memorable and it's yeah. not that descriptive of what you're actually doing. And the reason why she did it, and I understood like the beauty part of it, she wanted to leave it open if she wanted to like add products yeah. that weren't lashes. Move outside um, lashes, yeah. But I think with branding, sometimes people don't realize that they need to be specific. They need to niche down, at least in the beginning. Like, you can change it later. Who cares? You can but, always change. That's the one thing that people don't understand. You can always change your brand, like your your colors, your name, your everything. It's not you're lo- locked into it for the rest of your life. Exactly. Like, right now, we're changing our lash trays, and I'm having um, growing experiences 
that's what I call failures now. Oh, growing experiences. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because we got some lash trays in with my new design on them and I hate them. Oh no. I absolutely hate them. Yeah. So I'm like, stop printing. I'm redesigning today. Like anyway, it's hold the presses. Whatever. It's all part of it. That's pretty funny. But by the way, Lash Bomb, I remember Lash Bomb so well because the name was different. Everything else is kind of a little bit sweeter. And then I remember going, Lash Bomb? It's like, what, it's an explosion of lashes? Like, it just, you made you think for a second when you saw the name. It was different. It was not the typical name at that point. At that point, you know, there was like Extreme Lash, there was Nova Lash, there was JB Lash. And, uh, but there wasn't, Lash Bomb stood out. It really did. And so kudos to you guys. <laughs> Thank you. I came up with that over mimosas on a brunch. And I was like, <laughs> Lash Bomb would be awesome. Lashbomb.com. It can be like a bomb. It can have bombshells. Like we were yeah. thinking like, and now, like, if you look at her Instagram, now that she finally has, like, a really great person running her Instagram, it's, like, there's actually girls that are bombshells yeah, on there, balls. and it kind of, like, goes together. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. A lot of people don't know that about you, that this is really your second version. You've actually done salons twice, and you've done brands twice. So it's actually, <laughs> you have a lot more experience than most people as far as developing product lines and brands and ideas, which is why I think for you with Lash Anarchist, you just you know, nailed it. Like just, you know, home run. Thank you. So if you listen to the interview that I had with Sheila, we were talking about how I came up with Lash Anarchist and I didn't quite put it together until I had that interview with her, which is hilarious, but it's because I was doing it anonymously first. Yeah, that's right. I I remember exactly what I wanted, not worrying about like what anybody would think about it or the repercussions and I think I just got lucky that way. <laughs> no, it was so. a freeing exercise. I mean, and it's a mental exercise. I think anyone who's building a brand can just say, look, if you're going to build your brand, just remove your name from it so there's no repercussions if you get too edgy or too weird or too goofy. And uh, mm-hmm. and just be you. And then and create it, the ideal brand. Like, it's kind of like you have your ideal client, you have your ideal team member. You also can create your ideal brand of what you wish you had and then and then go from there. Yeah. Maybe I did get one thing out of aesthetic school, and that was my dream salon. Oh. <laughs> that was our our project. I swear to God, like, I hope people don't know where I went to school, but I always talk shit on it because no. I'm like, I learned absolutely not a thing about how to do my career, how to do lashes, how to do anything that I'm doing right now. Like, we had like a Dave Ramsey class, and I learned a tiny bit from that but like also finances like they don't click in my head (laughs) the dream spa it was the dream spa yeah i remember in true alley fashion i got a bunch of crap together the night before forgot to do it or something and then i was putting it together before class and i had so much fun in that hour putting together this dream spa that would never happen and i made it out of candy and it was pink and it was blue and there was like little fluff balls everywhere and i made like all of my um services i did like puns on candy mm-hmm. and i was like this is awesome yeah so much fun. <laughs> it's crazy yeah and i ended up getting a good grade on it somehow i was like it's a miracle well, that's, yeah. I think that's your wheelhouse. I mean, you've done it now a few times. You've created stuff. I think you're just a super creative person. And for you to get your job, like, go create something. I'm sure if I was saying, you know what, I'm going to hire you to create our brand for Lash Cast, you'd be like, 
hell yeah. Like you could probably build a whole, you know, like you need more work in your life, I'm sure. Now another whole thing, helping people <laughs> build brands because I think you really have a, a knack for it and the idea, a good idea, wheelhouse and you get happy. It's a happy place for you, right? It is. It really is. I love it. It's like I want to be a painter, but instead I just like branding. guys that's pretty much the end of this show remember we will have Allie back next week where we go into how she built her brand or how she built her following because I think that will be hugely helpful for a lot of us who are trying to build our companies and get people excited about what we're doing I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at Lashcast Podcast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. And remember, we're doing that $200 Amazon gift card giveaway. So if you do that review right now and post it, screenshot and send it to Paul at LashcastPodcast.com, you can be entered into the drawing and you might walk away with $200 in your pocket, guys. So go do that right now. Don't delay. On behalf of my last model, Tusney, as well as our special guest, Allie, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing. And remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. <laughs>